Welcome to the Unsupervised Mom Podcast, a weekly conversation about the grins and grime of single motherhood while learning to navigate it God's way. I'm your host, Javon Brown, Christian leader, educator, business owner, and most importantly, mom. I'm not a single mom expert. I'm an expert at being the type of mom God has called me to be. And so are you. I know that God wants us to excel in everything we do. And this includes parenting, even while going at it seemingly unsupervised. For more insights and inspiration, follow the unsupervised mom on Instagram and take this journey with me. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a Christian pastor, counselor, or physician. I was in labor for 16 hours. My water broke around 4 a.m. on a Monday, and my daughter did not enter the world until after 8 p.m. that evening. While I know I was aware of her gender for months, I felt the insecurity of having a girl surge alongside every contraction. My mother and godmother encouraged me throughout the process, ensuring me that I was far more than equipped to be a girl mom but there was a little enemy inside of me that could not put out the fire of questions that reeled my mind on a daily basis the closer I got to my delivery date. It would seem that because I was a woman who was raised by a woman who was raising other women, including some of her own sisters, that I'd feel super confident about parenting a girl. Truth is, I held on to toxic beliefs about myself and toxic beliefs about my capacity to mother. And instead of doing the intentional detox of these beliefs, I kept slow cooking the thoughts and convinced myself that I was not good enough to raise a girl and especially not by myself. I'd consider myself to be a woman who can be a little rough around the edges on occasion, gentle as a lamb and yet fierce as a lion when the need arises. And even in knowing that we are all uniquely designed, I assigned that girl moms were not like me whatsoever. I labeled girl moms to be the types of moms who were gentle on all sides, not soft, but gentle. Voices as silky as almond milk, Uh, The women who owned a glass tray, which secured various perfumes, or the woman who had a wardrobe of dresses and brooches to match every scarf or blouse and didn't have an edgy bone in their body. And ultimately, that they could model what I did not believe that I inhabited. You see, as a little girl, I played football with my friends while wearing pretty dresses with the poofy socks. I climbed apple trees. I would always challenge myself to reach the highest, thickest branches. I built igloos in 20 degree weather with cousins during the winter. And at some family events, instead of having meaningful conversations with my aunties, I was outside on the court shooting hoops with my cousins. And sometimes I'd even do so at the risk of injury. I just always felt like the women who surrounded me represented the epitome of womanhood and I did not. Hence, this new girl mom status was not at all on my list of I can do this. 
but fell into the pile of why me. I watched my aunts marry. I watched them raise beautiful girls. I watched girl cousins in two-parent households. I was raised in a house with both of my loving parents. So in my book, to be an unwed woman giving birth to a girl, I was already disqualified from successfully raising her in an environment that would promote a stellar example of womanhood. This was of no convincing but my own, and God helped me to see that my beliefs were less about two-parent versus single parent and more about my relationship with inadequacy overall. It does not mean that God supported my actions before her conception. The truth is that we, single moms who love Jesus, are given the stamp of approval and righteousness because of Christ's sacrifice. And there are times where we struggle to uphold this because of this thing called being human. And our humanness sometimes causes us to make decisions that God does not prefer or honor. But God does, in fact, have an awareness of every outcome, no matter what decision we make, and partners with himself to determine a good expected end. There was the lighthouse on my soon-to-be parenting hill. My feelings of what am I going to do with a girl were rooted in feeling unworthy, less than, and ill-equipped to instill in her anything that seemed remotely womanly. God continued to show me that my worthiness and value was on the chopping block, but only because I put it there. Once I realized I was with a child and a girl child at that, and I never took it down. I kept it there to be scrutinized, to be judged, examined, and toyed. I stared it down when I was fighting the narrative that others were speaking and writing about my choice to keep my daughter, knowing I'd be going at it alone. I'd get questions like, you know this is for 18 years, right? Are you sure you want to go through with this? I told you, you should have just left him alone. And yes, all of these shares held much truth, but they did not deserve the weight I allowed them to hold in my life. I'm reminded of a story in Matthew chapter four, where these venomous attempts were made to dismantle Jesus's authority. Similar to how the lies attached to the why me inquiry were chiseling away at what authority I believed was left in me. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was just publicly approved by God, and there was no doubt that Jesus was the beloved son of God. A voice rang from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus spent the next 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and while there became hungry. And I'd liken my inner thoughts and criticisms to the manner the tempter approached Jesus with. I'd also liken Jesus's posture of power and confidence to where God would like us to be in heart and mind, no matter what we are faced with. The tempter first encourages Jesus to turn stones to bread. Jesus responds with a statement of self-control. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The tempter then takes another chance and he takes Jesus to another level. There's an elevation of sorts. 
before him, he places a display of a holy city from the pinnacle of the temple. He encourages Jesus to throw himself down and assign the angels to catch his fall. Jesus responds with a statement of faith. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So the tempter tries one more time, very consistent, offering Jesus kingdoms of the world only were Jesus to bow down and worship him. Jesus responds with a statement of authority. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the enemy flees because he could not and he cannot overpower God's truth. So it's quite easy to convince ourselves of the lives when we have displaced the truth of God at work in us. Sin has a way of separating us from God's divine truth in real time. Those criticisms, those feelings of unworthiness, those breakdowns of who we are in Christ, no matter what our decisions may be, God's divine truth is eternal. And because it is rooted in love, it continues to cover a multitude of sin. So although I question my capacity to be a girl mom, a thought rooted in feelings of unworthiness, I did not begin to uproot the lies until I began doing the reminding work of who I was in God. And it was vital for me to take responsibility for the thoughts, the emotions, the darts, and the actions that did not line up with God's truth, present these before God and pick back up what I would install in my daughter so she was equipped with the skills to perpetuate Christ and covenant over criticism. So why me slowly became why not me? It took repentance. It took sanctification. It took renewing my heart for God, knowing that there was more to my life after seemingly choosing single mommyhood. It took knowing that God does not hesitate to reconcile us back to him, nor does he allow us to be robbed of his revelation once we are. And here are three answers to the why me question. I believe God wants single mamas to hold close beginning with the model Jesus gave us in the wilderness. Why me? A statement of self-control. I am not conformed to this world, but I am transformed by the renewal of my mind, that by testing I may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, verse 2. Why me? A statement of faith. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him and he will make straight my paths. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Why me? A statement of authority. God has given me authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt me. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Mamas, now the next time why me comes pinging down your mental pipeline, remember who you belong to 
and remind every thought of who that is. Nothing that you have faced or will confront will keep God from placing his signature on your life. You are here for a reason. Your child is here for a reason. And God will get the glory out of all of it. That's it for this week, but that's not all. If you have some ideas about what you'd like to see featured on the podcast, let me know. I have some sweet plans, but your input is welcome. Feel free to send an email to hello at theunsupervisedmom.com. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at theunsupervisedmom, where this important conversation is in full color. The official hashtag for the podcast is hashtag unsupervisedmomlife. I'm your host, Javon Brown, and I'd love for you to subscribe and tell your single mom friends to do the same. Go on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify to download the show and catch the weekly episodes. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And remember, mama, you are she, seen, heard, and enough. I love you. And most importantly, Jesus loves you. Later, y'all.